It's episode 29 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey there, friends. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me as always, but even more so if you're joining me right anywhere near where this podcast airs, because we're right in the middle of the holiday season, right in the thick of it in between Christmas and New Year's. And it's just a crazy time. I think we can all agree with that. There's friends in town, family in town, traveling going on, all kinds of things that we do. And we're just kind of off our normal schedule for the most part. A lot of people maybe are taking time off work or whatever the case may be. And if so, and you're still listening in, thank you so much. But if you're not, that's okay. Totally understand. Just catch up when you can. No big deal. Today is going to be a really good episode because we are talking sleep, which is one of the bigger topics that come up when people switch to a ketogenic diet. Sometimes they notice their sleep just tanks. Other times they notice their sleep is amazing. And I want to talk about the differences in how you can achieve that amazing sleep. So what's going on with one person that's not with the other? And really, I personally think that having amazing sleep is one of the top benefits that people can experience when they switch to a ketogenic diet and start producing ketones. And it's one of the ones that I see happen most quickly in a lot of women. But it's also one that, you know, if there's a slight tweak or something's not quite right, then the complete opposite. (laughs) So I've gotten a lot of questions around the topic of sleep and keto, and we're going to talk about those today. First, a quick update that I did just notice today, and I want to make sure you all noticed as well. If you are following me on Facebook at Sean Minor Holistic Health, then you can now see my Instagram stories over on Facebook, which is really fun. Stories are my favorite by far way to use social media to communicate with you all because it's really just showing my everyday life, what I do, where I live, what happens on my day-to-day basis, funny things that happen to me or that I think about. And I think that's just a really good way for you all to get to know me beyond the podcast. And Instagram is amazing, but a lot of it is curated. You have to really find this amazing picture to use and edit it and all that stuff. Whereas with stories, most of the time I'm not even wearing makeup. and It's just kind of like sometimes I'm right out of bed and I'm just talking to you or showing you what's going on in my life. And I really love that about stories. So hopefully you guys can now see me over on Facebook too. If you are not someone that uses Instagram, Facebook stories will show up as well on Sean Minor Holistic Health. So you can go ahead and check that out and see if you can find me over there and just see what I'm up to throughout the day. It'll be fun for you, I hope, but it's definitely fun for me. I love it. It's great. I did notice that. And then really the only other update, which I do want to take a few minutes to talk about today, is that enrollment for the Fat Burning Female Project January 2018 course. It's the official one-year anniversary of the Fat Burning Female Project. The enrollment starts January 2nd. The class starts January 8th. 
and you will receive materials January 5th. So January 2nd is the day. It will sell out. And I want to make sure that if you want a spot, then you get a spot. So of course, as I mentioned, the best way to do that is to go to the website and sign up to receive the email notifications. I will be sending out an email to everyone on that list the second that enrollment is open. So you will be able to know what to do, how to enroll, that it's open, and you will have no question as to if you can get into the class. Now, if you are still unsure, I do just want to take a few minutes. I'm not going to do this every single time that enrollment opens, but I do think it's important for me to explain in my own words what the class is, who it's good for, who it's not good for. If you're sick of hearing it, then by all means, use the fast forward that's available on your podcast app and fast forward a few minutes. No big deal. But if you are at all interested, if this project is right for you, if it's something you might want to do now in January or in future classes in 2018, then I do think it's important for you to just hear what I have to say. Hear me out and see if it's something that you would be interested in now or later. I think most of you by now know the general idea of the course, but let me just really briefly go over what it is. I designed this course to be specific in helping women get into a ketogenic state safely, so not putting tons of stress on your body, not getting into this huge diet mentality that's going to end up wreaking more havoc on your body and your health later, just getting into this nice, easy state of ketosis while also working on keeping our body as healthy as it is now or getting healthier in that process. What I have found is that when women take this transition into ketosis too quickly, then it can lead to some undesirable symptoms, health effects, things we just don't want to have happen. And so if I can take that situation out of it, but still provide you with the ability to get into a ketogenic state, which is ultimately super healing and super effective for women, then I wanted to do that. And that's where this whole, a year ago, actually, idea came up that this was something I really wanted to make available for women. I really wanted to help women along that path, maybe not do some of the mistakes I made or have seen many other people make. So that's what this course is. It's also a course designed to really just be super supportive for women in a ketogenic diet. So where you can learn more about why you're doing this, why you're experiencing what you're experiencing, why you may be having symptoms or not symptoms, things you can do to tweak, getting out of this whole diet mentality and what we're actually trying to do, why you're having the health issues that you're having. I mean, the Things that you can get out of this course are endless because I would say the first thing is that you have a group of super supportive women. We're at almost 500 women who have gone through this course and can now help you and just kind of be in this community. We're all just doing it together. We're living the keto life and enjoying it and seeing the health benefits of it together. And if you are someone that's struggling or not seeing those health benefits, then you have the support of that crew. But you also have my support too. I mean, the fat burning female 
ladies are my priority. I am in there as much as I can throughout the day. I answer as many questions as I can. If you have a question that's specific to your situation, I can answer that for you and maybe give you a little bit of insight. So you're getting time spent with me too in order to help you feel more at ease about what you're doing and why. And not am I just, you know, in the Facebook group answering questions, but I'm also obviously all throughout the course teaching you the benefits of ketone production, why we need the fat, how it's all working together, and basically taking out the guesswork for you for six weeks. So for the first four weeks, you actually are following my guidelines that I created to get you into a ketogenic state safely. So we have a block guide, that's what it's called, and you are filling out that block guide every single day to make sure that your macronutrients are in the correct spot for getting into ketosis without having to pull out your phone or your MyFitnessPal or your scale or anything like that and just kind of do your best guess, figure it out, get into this general space, and then you will find ketosis will come to you. So I hope that all makes sense. That's what actually is involved in the course. That's why I created it. Like I said, it's six weeks and it is effective. It gets you into a ketogenic state. And if your body is ready, it will be there. If your body needs more time, then you will understand that your body needs more time and what your body's working on. Then it also gives you a baseline to see how your hormones are doing, how your adrenals are doing, your thyroid, your stress levels, whatever else may be going on in your world, it's going to give you a really good way to look into that further. So we're getting in touch with our bodies, which for some of us, it's the first time ever that we've gotten in touch with our bodies, that we've thought more about our hormones and our adrenals and how our stress and sleep and all that stuff is affecting our body. And it's just a really great place to get started on this path to really, truly getting to know yourself and getting to heal yourself. That's the huge thing. And we're doing it as a group of women that all gets it. We all have very similar situations and and personalities, and we're just there to have fun. And so that's the best part about it is this community we're building for sure. The only other thing I will say is just a reminder that if you are someone that is still seeking the next quick fix diet, then the Fat Burning Female Project is not going to be something that's right for you right now because it is not a quick fix anything. (laughs) It's a learn more about your body thing, start to heal what needs to be healed thing, and gain control of your health via ketone production and getting into ketosis and eating enough real nutrient-dense, awesome quality food. That's what we're doing in the course. We are not seeking to lose weight in two weeks, one week, six weeks, nothing. We want to heal the reason why you may need to lose weight, which often, yes, is a longer process, but a more beneficial, more long-term result process as well. And that's what I'm teaching you in the Fat Burning Female Project. So keep that in mind. And if you are looking to know more about what women are experiencing. I can tell you that I've had many women balance their hormones. Some people didn't even have a period to start and now they have a regular menstrual cycle or it was abnormal or it was painful. There was a lot of PMS involved. They were 
perimenopausal, menopausal, and they just have been able to get rid of some of those, if not all of those symptoms involved with their monthly cycle or their hormonal changes. A lot of people, which we'll talk about, experience way better sleep almost initially, almost within that first week, which is just amazing. And I think we all know how beneficial and how much we need deep restorative sleep every single night to have health gains that we want to have. Pretty much, I would say all women experience a decrease in their cravings and their normal hunger cues and just feeling really energized and not feeling like they need to have snacks around all the time, not always thinking about food anymore, not feeling like they're on this diet that then at the end of six weeks, you're going to have to really struggle to try to stay on. It's a lifestyle change, and there's so many women that leave that six weeks and know they will be doing this for the rest of their lives because their mentality has changed along with their eating habits, which is, for me, the biggest part. And, you know, just feeling good, just feeling really good, getting rid of bloating, getting rid of water retention. Some experience weight loss, yes, it just totally depends on what stage of the game they're in and what they have left to heal, but it just is giving you more insight into that regardless. So those are just a few of the things that I can say from the women that I have helped in that class. There are more testimonials listed on the website. If you want to go and check out those testimonials, you can at bit.ly slash FBF project. That's FB as in boy, F project, like fat burning female project, but just shortened. Go check that out. And that page is also where you will sign up on January 2nd and where you can also put your email in to get that email notification right now as well. I will link to that in the show notes so you can have easy access to that, of course, but that's where we'll get all the rest of the information so that I won't keep talking on and on about it, which you all know that I could because I'm just totally passionate about this whole thing, the whole movement that we're creating here on Keto for Women and in the Fat Burning Female Project, and it just lights me up, so I just want to talk about it. And unfortunately, not going to apologize for that. I'm just super proud of it. So, but we'll move on. That was enough. I think we all got a good idea if there were any last minute questions about that. Let's talk about sleep, shall we? This is such a great topic. And like I mentioned in the beginning, one that I get quite a few questions about, one thing that comes up pretty regularly within the community of women and men for that matter although I don't know if it's as prominent in the male community as in the female community, and we'll talk about why, that sleep can just become something that is not very stable when switching to a ketogenic diet. And there are lots of different reasons for that. Some that, yes, are directly related to keto and some that are not, that maybe keto is exacerbating or just kind of pulling things to the surface. So let's first go through some of the reasons why you may not have good sleep when switching or being in a ketogenic diet. The first big reason is that you're not actually in ketosis. If you are eating a very low-carb diet and not producing ketones, and I know I talk about this all the time, but it really is this important for the difference to be distinguished between being very low carb and being ketogenic. 
And when you are ketogenic, you are going to be eating enough food and producing those ketones to help heal your blood sugar. Your blood sugar is going to stay stable throughout the night until it's morning and it starts increasing naturally, which happens to all of us. But that level of ketosis is what's really going to help heal that blood sugar and keep it nice and steady throughout the day. If you are just very low carb, which we've talked about in the past, but I'll go ahead and talk about it again. If you're just very low carb, then you aren't necessarily doing anything good for your blood sugar. You could definitely still be experiencing these spikes and dips. You could be experiencing more dips even than spikes, and and any of this causes a cortisol response. So it ensures that your cortisol will increase in order to get your blood sugar back to a normal level. And that can happen in the middle of the night. And this leads to really the biggest reason why you would have these times of wakefulness in the middle of the night. So if you're someone that can get to sleep but then wakes up in the middle of the night between, say, 1 and 3 a.m., many, many times it is because of your blood sugar. And so like I said, very low-carbohydrate diets can do that, can keep your blood sugar kind of wonky throughout the day, which then are going to translate into also being wonky throughout the night and causing that basically slight hypoglycemic episode in the middle of the night, which can be caused by having this wonky blood sugar or being hungry, which we'll talk about in a minute, and your cortisol will have to come into play. Adrenaline also comes into play and we wake up. Those are your two hormones that wake you up. And it will happen if your blood sugar gets too low in the middle of the night, if it doesn't stay nice and steady, which it should do, and which it will do if you're staying nice and steady throughout the day too. And that's what the ketogenic diet will do for you. Now, another big reason that this happens at night for a lot of women, I mean, I could probably tell you I see this on a daily basis, they're not eating enough food. If you are not eating enough food throughout the day, there is no chance that you're going to sleep through the night at night. It's just not going to happen because of that blood sugar situation that is happening in your body. If you are hungry, your blood sugar takes a dive and calls upon cortisol to bring it back up to its desired place. So hunger is also going to wake you up at night because of that stress response on your body. And you may not even go to bed hungry, but if you're going from not nourishing your body enough through the day to then having this overnight fast without having enough nutrients, then you're going to wake up. And that's a huge reason. I would say that that those two reasons, not being in ketosis and not eating enough food while trying to get into ketosis or trying to eat a ketogenic diet are the two biggest reasons I see within the keto community as to why women are no longer sleeping once they switch to ketosis. And this is one of the biggest things why women who come into the Fat-Burning Female Project one of the very first things they experience is this great sleep because they're finally eating enough food. They're finally eating the food that they need to feel satiated throughout the day 
and into the evening. That causes a stable blood sugar. Of course, the reduction in carbohydrates also helps, especially if you're someone that's coming from eating a large amount of carbs throughout the day, then reduction in that is going to help stabilize the blood sugar. And magically, we're sleeping again. Now, if you are someone that has a situation where your blood sugar is not optimal throughout the day, then you can probably expect it to translate to disrupted sleep as well. And really, it's just a case for keto being the way to go in order to get your sleep back intact. It may not happen as quickly as some of these ladies experience. It may take a little while, depending on what you're coming into the keto diet with. If you're someone that suffers from high blood sugar, insulin resistance, prediabetes, diabetes, those situations are going to translate into disrupted sleep potentially for that same reason of the blood sugar kind of of being wonky throughout the night and not being kind of in that steady level where we expect it to be. So another big one on the opposite end of the spectrum is hypoglycemia. And this is something that isn't really talked about, I don't think, enough. But if your blood sugar gets too low throughout the day on a even remotely regular basis, then that is something that means you're sensitive to that. Your blood sugar has the ability to drop beyond optimal levels quite easily. And if that's the case, then that's also something that you need to heal. And that's also something that will prevent you from sleeping through the night quite easily. I mean, as we're talking, you can see that when you are waking up at night, it is because of your blood sugar being lower. And if you are already sensitive to that in the daytime, you're also going to be sensitive to that in the nighttime as well. And it's just cause for a stress response. So definitely don't overlook the fact of having too low blood sugar throughout the day. I know it's kind of a weird thing in the keto community where because we want to heal our blood sugar so badly and there's a lot of people in the community that are diabetic or pre-diabetic and so seeing low blood sugar numbers is a great thing, but too low of blood sugar is not a good thing. Our bodies are super smart. They want to be in this nice, healthy range of blood sugar, which I've talked about a few episodes back when we were talking about testing your glucose levels. But your body wants to be in that range. And too low of blood sugar is not necessarily a good thing. It's actually very stressful on your body. Like I mentioned, it's going to cause a cortisol response, which is your stress hormone, in an effort to get yourself back up to that optimal level. And that can happen day or night. And if it's happening at night, it's waking you up for sure. And speaking of cortisol, let's move on to that because even if you don't necessarily have blood sugar levels, say your blood sugar is amazing, then you still can have cortisol issues, which many, many, many of us do, especially us ladies, And that's just a stress situation. It's just your body is under too much stress. It has been for too long. And it is so chronic that it happens during the day. And then you can't shut that system down at night to where you're restful. You are still in this fight or flight response 24-7. And if that's the case, 
then sleep is not going to happen. At least a nice deep restorative sleep is not going to happen. And if you are someone that has trouble falling asleep, then this would definitely be one of the reasons why you are not getting to sleep. You're having problems winding down because your cortisol is just on autopilot, always on the go. Your adrenals don't know to take a break, that it's time for bed, that nothing stressful is going on right now, and they can get into rest and digest mode, this parasympathetic mode. We are always in this sympathetic state. I see so many women constantly in that state, even though you don't necessarily think you are, or you don't know what's causing the stress, or you think that, yeah, it's just at work, but then I go home and I'm fine. No, that's not the case. Your body doesn't see it that way. And it's been so long that that's a chronic state in your body. So sleeping is going to feel kind of like you slept, but you wake up unrested. So you didn't get into this restorative sleep that we need, or you just are quote unquote a light sleeper, or you just kind of toss and turn quite a bit. You wake up and get back to sleep. You wake up and go back to sleep. You wake up and go back to sleep several times throughout the night. These are all really big signs of it being a cortisol issue, something that's keeping you in this fight or flight mode and not able to really get to sleep. And that is what I see for a lot of women. And that's really a case where you have to again take that deep dive into what's causing you so much stress. How can you reverse out of that? How can you let your body know and your mind and your soul and all those things within us that everything is fine, that you are okay? How can you let your entire system know that? That's the really important thing. There are a few things when we talk about tips that I can tell you to do to help with that, but it's going to be a little bit of soul searching on your part for sure, because many times it's not just my work is stressful. There's something else probably going on, maybe even deep internally that hasn't even been something you've addressed yet that then is causing this chronic state in your body. And then, hey, sleep doesn't happen. And then guess what else is stressful? Not getting sleep. So then it becomes this cycle that we are always constantly in. And it's not good for our bodies, our health, our future health, our hormones, everything that we're trying to fix so hard. And of course, this is something that then would absolutely lead to weight loss resistance. Really any of this, anytime you are not sleeping full, like seven, eight hours, deep sleep, that is going to manifest into weight loss resistance or weight gain. And then we wonder why we're not losing weight, but we haven't really thought about all this stuff. We haven't even thought about the fact, oh, hey, I'm not sleeping. Then you know even more ammunition as to see that weight loss resistance and things we're trying to do to lose weight wouldn't work if our sleep isn't intact. That's just a side note, just something I wanted to make sure I said because it is really important. Moving on. Other reasons why you may 
not be sleeping, especially as a woman, is because you are in a state of estrogen dominance, which we've talked about before. If you don't remember, you can go back to the episodes on hormones and learn all about that. But it's basically a state where your estrogen levels are either super high in relationship to a normal progesterone level, or your estrogen levels are normal and your progesterone levels are low, or your estrogen levels are low, but your progesterone levels are even lower than that. Yeah. So those two are the ones that I see the most. Pretty much all the time, I would say, is where you have normal estrogen, but really low progesterone, or low estrogen, but even lower progesterone. And that keeps your estrogen to progesterone ratio out of balance and puts you in a state of estrogen dominance where your obviously estrogen is more dominant in your body than your progesterone. And how this relates to your sleep is because progesterone is basically our calming hormone. It calms us down and it provides that sense of relaxation and calm that you need to have to get to sleep. And if you are low in that in relationship to estrogen, it's going to cause insomnia. It's going to make your sleep really disrupted and you will feel it. And then again, like I mentioned, that cycle will continue because it's going to cause stress for you not to be sleeping. And then you will become even more estrogen dominant because like I've mentioned in past episodes, estrogen dominance happens because of stress because of the stress that we as women are under, because progesterone will just get completely bypassed in the need to make cortisol and progesterone just won't be made at all. And therefore, we have low progesterone, which means poor quality sleep. So keep that in mind. The reason why this relates to a keto podcast is because getting into ketosis, a nice good, healthy, nutrient-dense, enough food state of ketosis will heal your estrogen dominance. If you are in a very low-carb diet, not sure if you're in ketosis, may just be eating low food, trying to diet and be calorie-restricted, it's going to promote estrogen dominance, which then leads to lack of sleep, which then leads to stress, which then leads to weight gain. So here we go. Another reason why the calorie restriction doesn't always work or ever work in the long run. Next topic, caffeine. Oh man, caffeine. That's a big one. Even more so in the keto community, I would say, than other places I've found. I think because we do depend on the fatty coffees to get our fats in sometimes and maybe just to get through fasting, we'll have coffee, but there's a lot of coffee consumption. And I don't hate coffee by any means. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it when it's kept to a good, normal level for you. And this relates obviously to other caffeine as well. If you're a tea drinker or hopefully not, but maybe you're still drinking soda that has caffeine, which I really, really hope you would stop doing. And maybe we can talk about that on another episode because that's my hard no. Do not drink soda, please. But that has nothing to do with this topic right now, except for the caffeine content. And if you are having caffeine throughout the day, even if it seems like 
it's enough time has passed and you detoxed from it and you're good to go by the time your bedtime is, that does not necessarily mean that your caffeine from earlier in the day is not affecting your sleep. It can and it will. Now, of course, it depends on the person. There are good metabolizers or fast metabolizers of caffeine, and there are slow metabolizers of caffeine. And is going to depend on the person. There's really not a huge way to know which one you are unless you take out the caffeine and see how you do without it. See if your sleep happens to improve without it, even if it is just the one cup in the morning. If you have trouble sleeping, you need to look at your caffeine consumption. It has to be something where you take a hard look and see if you can experiment with taking it out and see how you do. Give yourself two weeks, no caffeine. See what happens to your sleep. Let yourself detox from it. Give yourself that time and then see. Maybe it will help. And then you'll know what kind of metabolizer you are and how your body actually truly is affected by that caffeine. And then if it doesn't help, then at least you know. You can add a normal amount of caffeine back to your day, and then you know that it wasn't necessarily that in itself causing your sleep disruption. But I really do think that more people are drinking caffeine in excess, I guess we could say, and not realizing how much that is affecting what goes on overnight, which it definitely will. Same thing goes for alcohol. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but for me, when I drink alcohol, I sleep terribly. I don't know what it is, but man, my body does not like to sleep when it is burning through alcohol. That is for sure. But that is also something that's going to affect your blood sugar response. Alcohol will do that, and it will do that several hours after you are done drinking. It's kind of this delayed effect. So it is a case where you can drink something at dinner, have a few glasses of wine, and then not even experience that blood sugar response until midnight, and then you are woken up and can't get back to sleep, feel like your heart is racing, whatever it may be. This isn't just my experience. So I'm assuming I'm not the only one that experiences this. And it's not necessarily a great thing. It takes a while to get back to sleep and you just don't feel all that great. And it it makes you feel hungover even if you weren't necessarily or wouldn't have been hungover. So if you're going to do it once in a while, cool, that's fine. I would say the sooner in the day, I mean, not for breakfast necessarily, but the sooner in the day that you can drink, the better. Like if you can maybe do, which is what I like to try to do, a happy hour type situation where where you're having a glass of wine at 4 p.m. and then you're done and then you will still be able to burn through that, get the blood sugar response that's going to happen out of your system before you head to sleep. That would be one situation. Obviously, don't drink if it does affect you that much. And definitely, if you are someone that has problems sleeping and you think that alcohol helps, which I have heard, give yourself some time away from it. I think you would be surprised to see how much better you sleep when you are not having a drink before bed or for dinner or whatever. Just give yourself some time without it. 
because you may think that you're sleeping, but to get into a deeper state of sleep when off alcohol will really truly make you see what it's doing, actually, even though you haven't felt that before. So that's just one recommendation I definitely think most people would benefit from if you are someone that drinks on occasion or has a random glass or two of wine at night. Try to go without it if you are suffering from sleep issues, if you're not waking up feeling amazing, and see what happens. Next topic, the topic of exercise. We need to burn through our energy, especially if you're using ketone energy. You need to burn through that throughout the day. You have to move. If you are someone who sits in your car on the way to work, sits at work all day in front of your computer, sits in the car on the way home from work, then sits in front of the TV to relax, you are not getting enough movement in your day to warrant a good night's sleep. You have got to move. You've got to exercise, you've got to build muscle, you've got to get your heart rate up, you've got to break a sweat on a regular basis. That is such a big, important step, not only to getting awesome sleep, but just for your health, for your overall health. If you are not moving, please start moving now. Do something, find something that you like to do and start doing it. As you can see, I'm super passionate about this, but I just see so many women who put their exercise to the back burner when they get a family or have a hectic job or are part of too many clubs or whatever, then that is what goes. And that is absolutely false. That should not be the case because you are not going to have the health and energy that you need to take care of your family, to do your job, to be active in your clubs if you are not exercising. So I just totally got on a random tangent about exercise, but you do also need it to sleep. You're going to have better sleep if you have expended the energy appropriately throughout the day. So take some time to do that. Now on the opposite token, if you are someone that over-exercises, that works out too much, too often, doesn't give yourself the rest that you need, doesn't allow your body to repair, take days off, do nothing. If you work out more than 90 minutes a day and just constantly trying to move, 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 That also can disrupt your sleep because it's going to be a stressor on your body. And as always, stress is what's going to be the biggest contributor to why we're not sleeping. That is going to be seen as one of these chronic stressors that then your body can't get into this parasympathetic state, even during sleep. So you can't ever get into this rest mode. You're always in the fight or flight mode. And just the simple thing of working out too much, not letting your body rest, not taking days off. And just, you know, having a normal amount of time relaxing, that will also lead to poor sleep. So both ends of the token, there is a happy medium for the amount of workouts and exercise and movement that we need each day, which we'll talk about in a future podcast. Okay, I think that there are probably more reasons as to why you're not sleeping, but those are the big ones. And I really now want to get into what we can do to help improve our sleep. Because now that we know, okay, we may not be sleeping as good as we thought, what can you do to change that? 
what can you do to start sleeping as deeply as you should be in order to get the health benefits that you need from a nice quality night's sleep? The first thing, going back to what I first talked about, please make sure you're eating enough food. Please make sure you're not going to bed hungry. Eat a nice, big, healthy, balanced dinner. Now, I know some people do better having carbs later at night and they sleep better with that being the case. If that's you, great, do it. I would say maybe don't have enough carbohydrate to get your body out of a state of ketosis, and that's another thing we'll talk about is really making sure you are in ketosis. But, you know, if you need a half a sweet potato and that makes you sleep a lot better, then that's you and that's awesome. And then there's some people where that half a sweet potato will keep them up all night or maybe they don't notice any changes and they, you know, might feel better or get a better night's sleep being in a nice deep ketogenic state, I guess we could say. So you have to figure that part out for yourself. I really cannot tell you that, yes, you should be eating carbs every night before bed or no, you shouldn't be eating carbs every night before bed. I can't tell you that because for me personally, I don't. I don't like eating carbs before bed at all. I prefer going in a more protein fat route and getting a really good night's sleep that way. But I'm also in a deep state of ketosis and I've been doing this for a while now. So that's what I know my body does well with. You're going to have to find that out for yourself. Now, as far as actual what's happening when you eat carbs at night and you sleep better. If that's the case for you, then it's really just because tryptophan, which helps us fall asleep, is being transported easier because you have glucose in your blood. That helps it transport easier into your brain through the blood-brain barrier where you can then produce melatonin. Tryptophan is needed to produce melatonin and it is transported potentially easier when you have glucose available. I hope that makes sense. If not, no big deal. All you need to know is that that might be why some people experience better sleep with a little bit of carbohydrate. But also, if you have blood sugar issues, then that little bit of carbohydrate might be doing just enough to get your body back up to a nice, stable blood sugar And that carbohydrate is doing that for you so then you can sleep through the night, which is completely fine. That's totally okay. However, we do still need to eventually address the situation of you having blood sugar issues. And at some point, it may not be a good idea to continue to have these carbohydrates to that degree. I think most of us If you're adopting a more fat-burning female approach, not going super, super, super low carb, still getting tons of veggies and avocado and nuts and seeds into your day in the form of carbohydrates, and you're doing so at pretty regular intervals throughout the day, then you're going to have that stable blood sugar. You're also going to have enough carbohydrates to where your body is producing a little bit of glucose for what you need. And then your liver is going to be supplementing the rest through gluconeogenesis. And that's not anything to worry about. And you're still going to have enough glucose to help the tryptophan get into your brain to produce the melatonin. So most of us don't need to go into that deep extreme as to whether we should be eating carbs before bed or not. Just 
see how you feel. And if you notice or if you know about yourself that blood sugar is something you have issues with, then carbohydrate before bed might be a good place to stay while you're making transition. And then it might be something where you could eventually lower and then get out of just knowing that you're having a steady amount of carbs throughout the day through your other sources like veggies and nuts and things like that. So just something to test for yourself. But regardless, you've got to eat enough food and you've got to have a big enough dinner to get you through to the next morning. Just doing that in itself will be huge. Dinner is not the time to be scrimping on food by any means. I mean, it should be a nice big plate of veggies, proteins, and fats. Bottom line. Then you will notice your sleep improve pretty much immediately. Also, getting into ketosis. If you are someone that's not currently testing ketones and you're just thinking that you're getting into ketosis, first of all, I I would highly recommend the Fat Burning Female Project, but also start testing your ketones so that you know you're in a ketogenic state because just that in itself will make a huge difference between your body being stressed out by just being very low carb and not having enough glucose to producing ketones and your body knowing you have all the energy it needs right there on your body. Huge difference and a lot less stressful. That's kind of the next tip, I guess, which I did say before is to reduce your stress, of course. Really what I see the best way to do this to start, you know, while you're really trying to go deep into why you're so stressed and what you can do, some of the easiest things to do just to start is to bridge the gap between life and sleep. You need about an hour gap between that. So a lot of people turn to TV or their phone or whatever. Now, the hard part is that blue light, which is another tip of mine, the blue light from your electronics is going to halt your melatonin production. Melatonin is our sleep hormone. That's what we need to produce. That's what we produce in an antagonist position to cortisol. So when cortisol is high, melatonin is low, and that's what wakes us up in the morning. And then cortisol gets low at night, hopefully if we're not stressed out, and melatonin rises. So that is going to be thwarted if you are still looking at your electronics before bed. So give yourself an hour to be electronic free. I know it's hard, but it makes a huge huge difference, more than you could ever realize. If you simply cannot, if that is just not going to happen, then get some blue blockers. Get some blue blocker glasses. You can put them on and they will block the blue light coming from those electronics and those screens to where it's not affecting your melatonin production, at least not as much. It's still going to a little bit. They're not 100%, but it's worth it. And I will link to the ones that I use in the show notes to this so you can go ahead and grab some from Amazon too. That's a good tip. But the good thing is that if you're going to really do what I think that you should do and take that full hour away from screens, that means you have an hour to really de-stress and get your body in this parasympathetic state. So my favorite things to do, take an Epsom salt bath. Amazing. It will immediately make you feel like you need to go to sleep, which is so great. Read. And preferably read something that's not going to make your brain start going. You know, don't read the newspaper. (laughs) Read like a nice fiction book or some sort of like 
motivational, self-help, something like that that makes you feel really good and in a really good place. Meditation, of course, I think is huge. I'm a huge fan of meditation. I prefer to do mine in the morning, but when I was having problems sleeping, I did it at night while I was lying in bed and it made a huge difference as well. So getting a meditation app going and really getting into a habit with that I think is amazing. Even if you don't want to meditate, even still just taking like 10 deep breaths by yourself, just giving yourself some time and taking some deep breaths would be awesome too. You can do some restorative or yin type yoga poses. You can even do like a little class on YouTube or something like that where it's really getting you into this rest mode too, or even just doing some stretches. There's just so much stuff that you can do in that hour that you're giving yourself. And what a better time to really make that your time for self-care and, you know, getting into this place and your sleep is going to thank you so much because it is going to improve immensely. Some tactical things that we can work on is making sure the room that we are sleeping in, our bedroom probably, is dark. It needs to be dark, dark, dark as you can possibly get. This often requires blackout curtains. If you are someone that lives with light pollution in your area like I do, then you will need to have blackout curtains over your window and that will help block out the light from outside. And it makes just a crazy difference because your melatonin production, again, with this melatonin, your melatonin production happens in a circadian rhythm according to the light versus dark. So again, melatonin's low in the morning as the sun rises, as it becomes light out. And then once the sun sets, we start producing more melatonin and that gets us sleepier and sleepier and sleepier until it's time for bed. So getting that super dark space will keep that melatonin production high while you are trying to get to sleep and then throughout the night as well. So really important there. Also, your room and probably your entire home should be cool. It should be a pretty cool place. You don't want to overheat at night. Being hot is one of the biggest reasons why people initially wake up, although it is a cortisol response that's making you hot. But regardless, being in a cool place to sleep and then using covers to modulate your temperature is going to make for a much nicer environment to sleep. Some things you can do as far as supplements and stuff to look into doing just to help your body, again, get ready for sleep. Magnesium is huge. Taking magnesium before bed will be a big piece to your puzzle. Most of us are magnesium deficient anyways. I'd say like 99% of us are magnesium deficient anyways because it is one of those minerals that is used up in our stress response. And we all know we're stressed all the time. So we're constantly depleting our magnesium level. So taking that before bed is great. Now, every person reacts differently to different magnesium types. There are different types of magnesium. Some people do really well with what's called natural calm. Again, I'll link to this in the show notes. Natural calm is 
really great for getting you to sleep. However, some people do well with it and some people notice that they have really loose stools when they take natural calm. So you'll have to find that out for yourself. If not, there are definitely many other kinds of magnesium. It's basically just going to be up to you to find which one works best for you. Go through the variety and, and see which one works. But yeah, definitely taking it at dinner and then before bed or just before bed, depending on how much you need, is a great way to get to sleep a little quicker. Essential oils are amazing, of course, too. If you are someone that uses oils and has them around, a lavender, of course, is the biggest calming scent (laughs) that there is and will pretty much immediately put you into this state of rest and parasympathetic state where you can hopefully fall asleep a little faster. So I like to put lavender on my pulse points, so on my wrists and behind my ears. And sometimes I'll put it on the bottom of my feet as well. But then I also put a little bit on my pillow too, so I can smell that as I am trying to fall asleep too. And that helps so much. A lot of people will turn to actually using melatonin for their sleep. And this is something I actually kind of discourage. I would say I recommend only for a very short time. Because like I've mentioned a couple times now, melatonin is a hormone. And anytime that we are supplementing our hormones, we're doing that in place of our bodies doing that for itself. So as you make that more of a habit, then it also becomes more of a habit for your body to not need to do that process on its own. And your body can kind of like forget, quote unquote, forget how to do that on its own. And then you're basically never able to come off of it. So I am cool with like, for instance, if you're traveling and you have uh, jet lag you have to deal with and melatonin is going to help for that period of time to regulate that cycle, then cool. But I would not and do not recommend people go on it for a long term because of that situation. And I would really rather you find out why you are low in melatonin and work on these things from the more holistic root level approach like we're talking about today instead of just supplementing with that melatonin. Okay? Okay. And then the last thing, again, of course, I'm sure there's plenty of more, but the last thing is going back to that estrogen dominance thing, you need to figure out the state of your hormones. If you really truly think that that is the case, and really the same thing goes for your cortisol level, you know, finding out the health of your adrenals and the state of your hormone balance is huge, and then fixing that and balancing out those hormones again and getting your cortisol and your stress level to regulate itself. And like I mentioned, the first step to doing that is being part of the Fat-Burning Female Project. And then once you are a Fat-Burning Female, you can also move on to do my small group class that is actually testing your adrenals and your hormones through a salivary hormone panel and getting results in a protocol that way. So there is the opportunity. I would love to help you. But regardless... Figuring out that and getting that healed is going to make the biggest difference, especially if you are a woman who maybe is menopausal or just had a baby or in a really stressful scenario, something where you know your hormones are probably not spot on, then getting that information and being able to 
look at that root cause information will only help your sleep and so much more. I mean, the sleep is just one factor of the things that come into alignment when you actually balance out your hormones and get your cortisol and your adrenals functioning appropriately as well. So that would be kind of that root cause thing if you think it might be hormonally related, which for many, many of us it is, then you've got to find that information out instead of just guessing and then throwing things at it and then it not working and getting frustrated and all this cycle that I see women do quite a bit. So that would be my recommendation there. And yeah, and then there are some nice sleep blends of herbs that work really well. Valerian root is a great one. Chamomile, which you can use even in tea and just have a chamomile tea before bed. Lemon balm is awesome. You can even supplement with actual tryptophan. So there are a lot of really great supplements out there. Again, it's going to be one of the cases of finding what works for you, trying some blends or trying some teas, something like that before bed to see what works best for you. So that's it for my tips, although I'm sure, like I said, that there are more. But because this is an hour show, I'm going to keep everything succinct and to the point and just go over the ones that are most prominent. And just really quick before I let you go, I do have a lot of questions about the need to go to the bathroom at night. And like I've mentioned before, and I will say this again because most people don't know this, our bodies are fully capable of going eight hours without going to the bathroom. Now, of course, if you chug a gallon of water right before bed, yeah, you're probably going to have to go. But the normal consumption of water that we drink and the times that we are in bed, we should, for the most part, there's always going to be one-offs, of course, but we should, for the most part, be able to sleep through the night. So a lot of times when you think you are getting up to go to the bathroom, it is actually because you had something else wake you up that then notified you of your need to go to the bathroom. That something else would be that cortisol response stemming from either the heightened cortisol or the blood sugar issues, something like that. So keep that in mind. Yeah, it can take a little bit of time to heal that, especially if it is coming from a blood sugar issue, but keto will be the way. Keto will absolutely help with this over the course of time. It may not be next week, but it will happen as you heal your blood sugar, as you get your stress response down, One thing I will say is if you are making that switch to a ketogenic diet and you're kind of in the process of transition, you may notice that you do actually have to suddenly get up and pee when you didn't have to before. And that is because you are releasing water. So when we switch to a ketogenic state, we do release water from our bodies. And so you will probably have to go to the bathroom a little bit more frequently through the day and through the night for maybe a week or so around that time, and then you will notice that deep sleep returns. So keep that in mind. But other than that, of course, like I mentioned, there's going to be one-off situations where someone is just has frequent urination or there's something else going on that causes them to definitely have to get up multiple times a night to go to the bathroom. But for the majority of us, we will be able to get through that whole night in a deep state of sleep. And this was something that I noticed. I've always, 
always, especially when I was really big into the fitness world and having a calorie restricted diet on a daily basis and working out really hard, I would have to get up every single night to go to the bathroom. And then as soon as I stopped doing that, as soon as I started nourishing my body, healing my blood sugar, which had been completely eradicated and all over the place that had been just totally thrown off and was a mess because of that situation I put myself in with being so calorie restricted. As soon as that healed, I stopped waking up in the middle of the night. I've seen it with my own eyes. So it definitely is true. I know it sounds hard to believe. Trust me, if you would have told me that at that time, I never would have believed you, but it can happen. And the biggest thing I can tell you is to eat enough ketogenic foods. It's that simple. And just be patient and just work on your stress, of course, as I will say with everything. It's always the biggest deal. So I think that will wrap it up for today's episode. I love talking about sleep. It's my favorite pastime. (laughs) I'm a nap taker and just love talking sleep and how to make it even better so you wake up super refreshed because that is the goal. And I will see you next week with more hot topics. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.